0: Oh shit! Are you telling me? Is there echo is here? Is there, is there? Okay, that's, that's that's good to know. Apparently, I'm using this mic, so yeah.
1: everything works out. Yeah. Welcome to Meaning What. I'm your host, Mason Hirschnow. It's the Meaning What Movie Club. For our final installment for AAPI Heritage Month, we're joined by friend of the podcast, Hisham ben Halam, to discuss the 2020 film, Minari. Hey, Sean. Hello, hello. It is the, what month is it? It is the May edition of the Meaning What Movie Club, and we have a special guest here this month, a, a returning Two-time returning champion of meaning what? First solo appearance, our good friend Hisham,
2: yeah. a veteran
0: of the game, uh, seasoned <laughs> player in these
2: yeah. odd parts.
1: I think. I think legally, if you show up again within thirty days, we have to pay you.
2: Oh, fuck! All right, gotta avoid that.
0: Well, I I talk enough that that might just happen. <laughs>
1: We're gonna put this episode out and you won't hear from us until <laughs> end of July.
0: <laughs> I understand.
1: We watched Minari in honor of AAPI month. Um a, a movie that Sean you'd already watched in uh preparation of the Oscars episode. Um uh-huh. but
0: oh god. Uh
1: Hisham and I just watched it. When did you see it, Hisham?
0: I uh watched it yesterday. Um in the movie theater and uh that it's like a movie theater about a mile away from my house and um yeah yeah which was lovely that was maybe my first my first time back into like a movie like a like a theater really uh in that capacity um and i used to go a lot before um yeah my my schedule's erratic so sometimes i used to just like go into the theater if i had like a three-hour opening in the day. And so this was my first time back for something like that. And it was really, really great. Oh, what's that like? Yeah,
1: that was going to be my next question. What was it like being in a enclosed public space again? Um, that wasn't a job.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, to be honest with you, just because this movie has been out for so long, you know, there were not that many people. So it felt very relaxed. Um, I'm vaccinated and all of that. And all of this was done with This was all contactless, pretty much everything. I bought the tickets online, and the person at the door thing, like, scanned a QR code, and, you know. I think the only thing that I touched that another person touched was my um, cup of cherry Coke. It's how I focus.
1: (laughs) The thing that my watch was missing, having done it on my couch with my cat in my lap, was a cherry Coke. You say that, I didn't realize that that's... That's what I was lacking, but that's what it was right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a cherry Coke will, will, uh, yeah, hope you could go a long way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We strongly encourage getting vaccinated. Do it. Please. Yeah, please do. Please.
1: Uh, If you can.
0: if, If that is available to you. And also, you know, soda is healthy, but only to a point. That's right.
1: It should only it should only be drunk in places like the, a movie theater where you can get it in a bucket and, yeah. you know.
2: Just drown yourself in it.
1: Right.
0: And that's why folks call me a social drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I only drink Cherry Coke uh, <laughs> outside, not, not on my own, not late at night.
1: It's just not the same at home by yourself, you know? No, it's not. <laughs> no, no it's, it's really not. Yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 doesn't taste the same coming out of the can as it does out of that, that good, good sticky tap.
0: Mm, that's true. That, that's very true.
1: <laughs> so this movie that we watched, <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie did one of my favorite things where you like look it up on IMDb and the synopsis for it. The official synopsis is one sentence, which is a Korean family, a uh, Korean family buys a farm in Arkansas and I just was like, yeah, that's a movie. Um, yeah. Do you want to, Sean, would you like to give a little bit more in depth background for it?
2: Sure. Um, the context it's a semi autobiographical, basically, I think, roughly inspired by the writer and director of it, Lee Isaac Chung's experiences growing up in rural America. So it's in the 80s, a Korean immigrant family moves from California to Arkansas because the father of the family decides he's going to start um, a farm to sell Korean produce to Koreans. Um, And it chronicles their journey in assimilation in a new place um, and the internal struggle with the difficulties of farm life um, and culture and generations and adorable children. (laughs) <laughs> How's that sound?
0: That's that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Let's start with just initial reactions to this movie. It it's a it's a pretty straightforward movie, right? It's it is a family drama. Um it is very real, it's very honest. It's kind of heavy, but um What's, what was sort of your initial reaction to it as you, as you were sitting there in the
0: theater, what were, what were you feeling? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the, I mean, just, you know, and, and as a disclaimer, I don't talk about movies often, but I talk about media texts of all sorts a lot. Um, but I, 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 really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed the performances. I really enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the cinematography. And I enjoyed The subtlety with which Emotional weight Was kind of added on As time went went on I think I, f- I found that to be really really um, A effective But also um, Just in terms of Watching a movie I really enjoyed Like by the time we get to the end of the movie There is this emotional weight And if you think of like how you start the movie Which you know, ideally, like as a as a blank viewer, and by the end of it, you're you're leaving with kind of a um, a significant like emotional weight, and you know you're leaving with some questions, which is which I do like. I love leaving um, a story or a, a movie with with questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I uh, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it feels um it feels accurate with how I think trauma feels for people in real life. That it's never a well, not always, but it's never this big overwhelming thing. Often it's the slow burn and build, um <laughs> where you learn to regret the actions that you've done or kind of feel the repercussions of said actions until something big happens and it coalesces in the way it does at the end of this movie.
0: It definitely felt like we were stepping, stepping into, um, an already established and already existing world, which I thought was good. And I also thought that that was powerful because I think sometimes the, the shortcoming of a lot of Hollywood productions, Hollywood movies is just that, um, if, you know, if you've been watching movies for enough years, you start understanding that the movie begins, or the story begins when the movie begins, and the story ends when the movie ends, and, you know, sometimes uh, you know, you go to the theater, you watch a movie, and then you walk out, and you're like, well, that happened, and that stopped there, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, Versus, I think, with Minari, it felt like there was um, a sense that the story stretched um far before us as the viewer and' we'll, and the story kept going beyond what we've been able to see and, and and that's something that i and I appreciate that in literature and I appreciate that in in movies you know music actually too um
1: yeah definitely it felt like like just stepping into a chapter in these people's lives for sure um and I was really satisfied with the ending too that sort of initially feels like this happy ending and that Things work out in this unusual way, you know, or in this unide- this less than ideal way. But then when the the film ends and you, like, think about it and you go, oh, wait, you know, the big problems are still there and we haven't solved any of them. They had this sort of life-defining moment, probably certainly for the, the little boy. Um, but when they all wake up tomorrow, what what's it actually going to be like and what's it going to be like in a week and, and a
0: month from now? Exactly. Exactly. And I do, I think I think nothing does does that better than um, having in the periphery this marriage that is ending.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? I mean nothing nothing communicates that better than the fact that like this marriage is not really doing that well and we are very much catching it. You know, we're we're catching the the, the, the dying embers of the you know, where yeah. out like the, the, the final soft moments that they have with each other, maybe with this understanding that like this isn't going to work out. I, I remember there were a few, mo- there was one moment, like maybe when she's washing his hair because he worked too hard so he can't lift his arms. It was a very, very sweet moment. Um, but, you know, there's this affection that seems like it's the shadow of something from before. And they also have another moment where maybe he kisses her head or something like that, and like she doesn't know what to do, so she just like taps him on on the arm. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, yeah. Just,
1: I, like it that. almost felt like she was pushing him away, and then he like took the forehead kiss because that's all he could get. Or
0: yeah, yeah, just yeah. like a, so. so and, and the fact that that's not that's not a focus, you know, the fact yeah. that like you see and you're like, oh, oh, that that that's ending, and you know, of course we get we get an almost like an official conversation. Right. About, you know, towards the right. end of the movie after, after that business deal, um, with that Korean grocery store, like, goes well. Um, right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it's not even, like, and, and when you have that moment, you realize just how long it's been since their last shows of affection, which, you know, right. like, um, Monica washing his, Jacob's hair happens pretty early on in the movie. Yes. Um, you know like your first interaction with them is is her just aghast by the double wide that they're moving into and and <laughs> what, what is this, this? Shit? yeah right um and so uh, you know for me like that moment um where they have their their sort of definitive fight at the at the end and she finally says i'm done with this i've i've lost faith in you i realized how long it had been since there was anything that was actual affection, but it felt very much like what a household like that feels like, you know, where like they are, they don't have those fights in front of the kids as much as they can. Right. It's, it's more of like this passive aggressive or this, we just don't, we're not going to address it. We'll, we'll do it later because we got to figure out how to keep the water on, you know? Um, and then it's over and you go, Oh, wait a second. This hasn't been good. This
0: entire movie. And seemingly, um, before that as well, yeah. you know, I right. you know, I think there is an understanding that like, I mean, it's not even clear that something happened. It just seems like mismanagement, like regular emotional mismanagement of, yeah. of, of like a relationship.
1: It really gave me the sense that they had been just always unhappy, you know, that they had, that it had never really quite worked. And there were a couple of lines of dialogue that I think gave me that impression. But, you know, they were two people who were together because they wanted to make thing they wanted the best possible life for their kids and they yes they had perhaps they believed that they had other ideas you know opposite ideas of what, of what that looked like but they also had like their own ideas of what a life would be you know obviously Jacob is is has these lofty goals of 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 being a farmer and and, and having this business and Monica has these much less lofty goals of just having a stable household and, and <laughs> stable income and a stable life, you know. And and they're both working toward, it, it, like their their end goal is the same, right? They want to they want to do well for their kids and they they want their kids to see them succeed. But from the origin, like they they have very different approaches. And 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 I got the sense that maybe they had just always been, you know, maybe it had never worked, and and we were just seeing it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and and though and though kind of like the, de- the 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 decay of their marriage is happening on the outside and kind of like the tangent of the movie in a way, I think ideologically their two viewpoints are at the center of of the movie. And by that I mean, you know, we have uh, we have Jacob whose goals are lofty and I think he has this ambition to do you know to create something out of out of bare land right like yeah. he, he wants to grow these things he wants to create he wants to you know uh and a lot of it very much relies on him putting his body on the line for this him putting his time on the line for this because of course like let's not let's not forget that he also has another job right 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 you know this is um and i feel like monica's goals I don't want to say they're less lofty, but they are more rooted in community and they are more more rooted in humanity, um, whereas Jacob's goals are not. And I think he essentially rejects, uh, maybe maybe not fully intentionally, but it seems like he rejects all opportunities of building community, of connecting deeper with those around him, of, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I was just thinking about is the fact that he and the grandma don't really talk almost at all in the entire movie, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, like he, 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 he's there and, you know, like she comes into the house, but they almost never talk, you know, he's there to enact some rules and enforce rules. He is there to do the work um, and he does it alone, right? Like he doesn't talk to anyone at work while Monica where talks to like her Worker who's like right next to her. Um, I don't know. Does he talk to anyone in church, I, or does he talk to anyone in church? I'm not entirely sure.
1: No, the The only scene that we see of them actually in church is when they're in like the, the after cer- the you know, whatever the church there's a there's a name for it, but the thing you do in the basement after church where everybody like right. has finger foods and stuff, and he's standing over on his own. Monica's talking,
2: trying to, yeah,
1: right having kind of a problematic conversation with some white women. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's just standing in the corner with his orange juice and, and just waiting. But even the, the, uh, the guy that comes to help Paul, you know, yeah, they have this sort of weird, not relationship. And then when they finally invite him for dinner, you know, at the end of the film, he uh, like, It immediately becomes this, how does, what have you told him about? Like, there's this hostile air to it. Yeah. I I hadn't really thought about that. He just, he doesn't have a relationship with anybody other than maybe his son early on.
2: All of this is, uh, Asia's not a monolith, but a lot of this feels like a lot of how my family and extended family works. And there I, like, especially the men in my men that I'm vaguely related to in just in terms of like their their ideas of like duty and masculinity and how those intersect and like what's important at the expense of what isn't important.
0: You know, this reminds me of when we were in, I was actually just trying to look up what paper this came from, but I, I, you know, my memory's not that good. Um, but there was this paper that we read in college, uh, by this, uh, feminist writer uh, that I think is particularly relevant for us and for this movie. Now is this idea of uh, man as mushroom. Uh, and what that is, is, you know, we have this mythology of men who grow out of the ground disconnected on their own. They just emerge out of the dirt with no explanation. And I feel like Jacob, is this is this man he is this mm-hmm. man you know like uh who is not interested in community he i think at the beginning of the movie he outwardly just like straight up resists like moving closer to town where they can find other you know other korean folks right yes you know his his involvement in the church is very much like a well this is for monica and i think i think that that has that could have a specific, like a specificity that's related to culture. but It certainly has like a, an ideological, uh, and we're going to talk about this word more. So this is a placeholder, but there's certainly an ideological kind of like universality to this idea, right, right. about um, gendered politics, and certainly within representations in media. Um, but I, I, what I really like about this movie is that it does not really um, romanticize Jacob no which is really nice i thought i i really enjoyed that i enjoyed that they're not you know that they are not mm-hmm. painting this guy in, in the way that I, I i believe that if this were like um i mean if this were done maybe 20 years ago and if this were like an all-white uh, all-white cast i think the guy would have just been like kind of a hero
2: the american dream bullshit right exactly yeah. If this had come
1: out in the 1980s when it takes place. It would have been, you know, this triumphant story. Yeah, I, I, I thought that that there was the conversation where early on Jacob and Monica are talking about moving somewhere closer, and she and she says something about, you know, we could get we could easily get a place with five acres, and he he's like five acres is a hobby. This is my dream, and I felt like that was a really excellent sort of summation of. His entire approach, right? Like, like five acres is not a small chunk of land. You know, it's not huge, but like, probably for what he's doing, it would have been fine,
2: right? Especially as he's starting out for like the next like five years before he's successful,
1: right? And 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 a two person, you know, just two people working the the land. But it was such like just in that moment, it's such an excellent sort of summation of Hisham, what you're talking about, of, of like that that like. Man as just below all powerful, like like this belief, the the heroic man. and then and then also like the toxicity of the American dream and that that whole mythos, which I'm sure we will um, dig into. But like that idea that anybody can be self-made right and and like the beautiful thing about fungus is that it seems like it is, you know, a mushroom seems like it's a singular entity, but so often it is actually a massive underground. Network, right? Yeah. And that is, that's the great American, particularly the great American masculine myth is that you can, you can make it on your own.
2: Self made.
1: Right. And, and nobody ever is, right? You are, you are the product of the kindnesses and the crimes against you, um, committed by others, right? Like, like you are made by everyone around you. You, no one makes themselves. So, it's amazing how often this film in so few words, you know, just in like short conversations, like sets up those themes. And if you're paying attention, like they're there and it, it gives them to you. Um but it doesn't it doesn't like bask in its own glory in any way, right? It's just like here it is. Which is also really interesting because I feel like it almost operates without a main character. Mm-hmm it sort of revolves around David around the, the seven year old son. And he certainly touched everyone's hearts. I think oh. with this performance, <laughs> okay. but oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. just, just what a wonderful, and the way that he, he plays off of his sister, you know, um, in the, in the film and, and like their, their dynamic and their chemistry is just like, it's just stellar and just the perfect, like big sibling little sibling sort of dynamic there, but it doesn't ever like settle on one person. I I feel like everybody gets their fair share of the story, which is also such a not American way of telling a story. Right. Mm. Um, And there not being any hero in the story. There's no like real main character. And and so the family is the
0: main character. Maybe
1: it's a, it's a story about being in a family.
0: I was going to, I was definitely going to say something about how quote-unquote an American not having a main character is (laughs) Uh, because I mean like I was reading some reviews about the film afterwards just because I was curious about what was going on and a lot of reviewers I was trying to read American publications Mm -hmm. a lot of white writers a lot of them there was one from like a, a like a famous publication that was just like okay david is the main character and just did this whole like analysis of the movie from, <laughs> that, from that point of view right. just like this is what we see and i and just and judged the whole movie from from there and i was just like no and it felt so forced and, it, and yeah. you know just like this idea of, and cuz it's it's such a powerful idea right we need a main character we need one person to root for we generally need that person to not be too difficult or problematic we need we need them to be you know like like very legible mm-hmm. and we need to be very kind of um we need that framework to be very um manichaean we need we need like black and white we need like very very separate like um and i found that a lot of the reviews had a problem with that and when when they didn't in, like force this kind of like david is the main character and this is what the movie is about when it wasn't that a lot of folks did not enjoy the movie and thought it was impersonal because there wasn't a main character or thought it was too understated. And this was like a lot, like I, I read like maybe a dozen reviews cause wow. I just was interested to see what, um, and these were all American publications abroad in, in, I think I read something from the UK and I read something from India and, um, abroad, a lot of other places were like, okay, this is a beautiful masterpiece, kind of a slice of life movie kind of, you know, like this is, A perception of a moment in time you know i mean like it's it's almost like novelistic in a way you know like the kind of vast expanse of the story but i found i saw that in a lot of like a lot of american publications like the the criticism was that like i i can't remember which publication it was because i read a lot of them but someone was just like yeah this was a really impersonal movie and really sterile because and i was just like oh are you fucking kidding me (laughs) Oh. <laughs> yeah, no no and, and I remember oh wow like this is a disturbance in how how like what the expectations are from the form here in here in this country and, right. and you know like uh, and I looked up these writers and they've done a like they've been doing this for a while most of them because again like this was like New York Times New York New Yorker I saw something from the time LA Times um, like the Chicago one, Chicago Tribune yeah. Something like, that. Like, I, like, I read a bunch of them because I was just curious to see how this was received. And, yeah, I, I, the common complaint was that folks thought it was impersonal.
1: We, you, you know, the only valid form of story is the hero's journey. So, if, if we can't cram it into that, it's not a, can it even be called a story?
0: Yeah. Everything has
1: yeah. got to be Lord of the Rings. Everything's the Bible.
2: Oh, God. I am quietly <laughs> seething. <laughs> just yeah. like Monica, I am just quietly seething.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, Mason, I think you're right. I think I think you, you, you've got you, you you definitely have a point. I think, and I think it's, it, it's a kind of a very culturally revealing thing that this is this is a narrative we need to we need to hold on to because, like, we see a family like this, and all of a sudden um a lot of folks have a hard time seeing themselves because i think the 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 american myth is that you can go out and you can operate on your own and you are the main character and i've been seeing this phrase actually on social media a lot you are the main character (laughs) of your life Uh-huh. I don't know if you oh, oh yeah,
2: it. it's it's this like joke where you have main character syndrome where you think everything is about you.
0: Yeah, and I I have seen I've seen folks um, see that unironically. Yeah, because... I've seen affirmations of it,
1: right? Of like, "Oh god, I remember no. you are the main character of your own journey." You, you know.
0: Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Or like but you know, of course the main character's journey, I think, even with the Lord of the Rings and even with the Bible, right. like by definition, is built upon erasures, and it's built upon kind of a an agreeable amnesia of of nuance. <laughs> in <terms> of nuance. <laughs> we need to forget a bunch of things about all of our favorite heroes in movies and in in, in adventures and in, in damn in religion, right? Like,
2: yeah. damn. I mean,
0: We need need to forget a bunch of things in order to, like, worship these folks. Right. And I think, you know, and I think, you know, and I just find that funny that some folks were just like, oh, it's very impersonal. And it lacked focus. Some folks said, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I don't read reviews much of movies. Sometimes just like, oh, I liked it or I didn't like it. But, uh because I was going to talk to y'all, I read some reviews, and I was just like, ooh. Ugh. Oh, boy. Like Confirming to
2: not read reviews. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right? yeah. Critics don't know anything. But, I mean, that's that's just, like, one more beautiful way that this movie intersects Um, to bring up this, you know, sort of semi-false dichotomy, like East and Western influences, right? Of, like, it's a movie that... The, you could very easily make into the hero's journey, and it resists that in every every point of the way. And it's a movie that could very easily have been done, you know, entirely in Korean or entirely in English, and it doesn't do that because that's not how life works, right? And so it it it's a film that sort of, they're not living an American lifestyle, right? And they are not living a Korean lifestyle. They are somewhere in between. They're not farmers, and they're not not-farmers, so it's... Um, it's just like this, just like one more level where this, like, it is, it's not a Western story, right? There's, there is no hero. Um, there aren't any real good guys. There aren't any real bad guys. There's no morality tale here. Um, and maybe it is more of a story about a mood or a feeling or a situation, you know? And, and that is, it just exists outside of that.
0: Man, yeah, a communal, a communal thing is something we. It's not something that's very uh, revered, I think in, in Western, in a lot of Western cultures, you know, like, like a communal sense, you know. I think, I think Jacob seems to always have his eye on the horizon, which is, myopic, considering what he, what he has going on at home, right. and he has, the potential. Or incredible connection and you know like like all like all folks who are living in the same house as other people may have potential for incredible connection and potential for an abundance of love but when jacob has his eye on the horizon the whole time <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw this and I, cause I want to, I want to talk about, I'm always going to talk about immigration. Please do. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the fact that I did read somewhere and we can, we can fact check this, uh, for, for the, for the final recording. Um, but I checked somewhere or while I was reading the reviews, apparently the director had said that he didn't want this movie to be about identities or identity politics.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, which I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yeah. Mm. And I thought I was like, my first reaction to that was like, well, tough luck, buddy. Like (laughs) uh, like, we we live in, we live in like the new world, the new post-colonial world. Um, if it's not white folks on the screen, uh, we are talking about representation. We are talking about identities. Like it is, it is an embodied experience. To be an immigrant happens in the body, not just on a piece of paper. Be, not being white happens in the body and is experienced in the body, um, as well as essentially everything else that we're talking about—gender, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I thought it was very interesting that he said he didn't want it to be something about identity politics, which, of course, we have to take with a grain of salt when we've got when we've got a director who is. Promoting this for an American audience, a mm-hmm. promoter who is, or or a director who is very much working within a system where, you know, for for all the regular capitalist reasons, he wants his movie to do well. So I'm not like, but that is something that is said, and it is in, uh, it is in the world, and I want to know what y'all think about. That.
2: Terrible. <laughs> Take it back.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: a, I want to know. Yeah. 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 I, that's a tough one. Cause like if identity politics didn't matter, Ezra Klein wouldn't have written a book about it. I don't know. Like, Ew. <laughs> um, um, I, I, anytime I hear identity politics, I hear Klein's voice in my head. Cause that's like all he was talking about for like two or three years, every on all of his shows and everything. It was just like, so this is how this relates to identity politics by my book. Um, mm-hmm. And but that's i mean that's interesting cuz like on one hand i could i could see where that's coming from because it the movie doesn't get caught up in and that's that's maybe not the best way to put this but like it doesn't it doesn't get caught up in its own identity right it doesn't get it's not a movie about being korean necessarily right like like they are and so but But it is at the same time. And it's that issue of the fact that it is that makes it important, you know, because if it wasn't that, it would be a very different story. And so I wonder how much of that is just, you know, a desire to not to not make that a character outwardly. Um, But you know at the same time like you're saying it's unavoidable right like and especially in this country it's it's unavoidable to raise the question well is this a american film or is this a foreign language film right which i argue that it can be both but like that conversation always comes up right most of the film is in korean and traditionally films that are considered american films are in american english right so that that is important you know and and then also like well the fucks it matter if it's identity politics like everything's identity politics which is of course as our client's point to to bring that back up everything is identity politics like you're saying you know the, the so the fact that this is a story about particular people you know and the fact that they aren't white that we're told where they come from right and and they are given a background makes it a movie about immigrants from Korea coming to this particular part of the United States at this particular time. Uh,
0: to make it worse <laughs> please do, please do. In the reviews, and this was only two or three writers who had said this, and I'm not joking, this is again like some of my favorite publications in the reviews. I think it was it must have been it was one of the New York ones, either the New York Times or the New Yorker. One of the writers had said had kind of ended a review with this is not an immigration story this is an american story uh, oh ooh, no no <laughs> i said i was gonna make it worse and, and i did didn't. exactly that. you nailed
2: it Hisham.
0: i said i was gonna make it worse
1: <laughs> well, what <laughs> an incredibly american idea right we're so we are so focused on this idea that when you live here and when you work And when you become part of the neoliberal machine, you are American. But if that was true, and I don't think that that is in any way how it should be, but if that was true, like, we wouldn't spend so much time talking about, you know, your background as blank hyphen American, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but that is important, and that is important to individuals, that's important to communities, and that is also important to outsiders, right? That is how... Through the entire history of our country, we have defined every group of, of individuals and ranked their worth for the overall ill of our country. So it, it's deeply patronizing, this idea that it is an American story before, you know, fuck that shit. You know, like, that, yeah. Sean, talk about something.
2: Oh, God. Where do we go from here? Um, One more, I mean, one more thing about just the director's whole thought about identity politics or not. I don't know when it was said, but right there was the controversy with it being this film not being allowed in the best picture category because it was shoved into the foreign film category for the Golden Globes. And... What does that even mean? And there was a lot of talk about in some ways this is the quote unquote the most American story that you can make about being in America, but we've just impact how ugh, why does it fucking matter but also like to, to take it out of politics feels dumb or like remove the idea that there's no politics to it
1: <laughs> I mean, and I mean on that point, to be fair, there's nothing more American than working yourself to the point of destroying your body and destroying your home and ruining your family and marriage. That is that is uh. the most American story possible. So, like, I don't know. In, in that way, maybe they got that right. But.
0: Yeah. I was, 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 was going to say exactly that. that like, I mean, we've got this guy who is ignoring the well-being of his loved ones uh, and uh, turning to work. Uh, what? Which part of that is not American? <laughs> <laughs> like send this guy to the best (laughs) picture right away. (laughs) Like, Give him the award. Uh, Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's, this is very, especially with awards. It's very, very enmeshed with ideas of race. And, you know, when we say American and when we say foreign, what we are saying most of the time is white. Right. And not, you know, and, and I think that, that very much during this award season came back to, to kind of, I think with this movie, it makes it, it made it difficult, right? It made it, you know, uh, it made it kind of unavoidable. And I think this is also part of why I enjoyed the movie is that it's resisting. Um, it's resisting categories in that way and very much living in, in this fluid space, in this, in this space of nuance you know, uh, in this space where we can expand the idea of what an American story, what an American film is by essentially doing that. We would be discussing what, 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 what that idea means, what, it, what it is to be American, you know, and maybe it's just like the current, like worldwide political context. But a lot of the time that I was watching the movie and as I was watching things be hard for these folks I was also thinking that like, and the fact that the land had been occupied by someone and they killed themselves, the fact that this is stolen land, right. And we are trying to do something with that. And like, there is almost this, um, magical realism of a curse that like, if you get land and which is, you know, it's not really magical realism as much as a realism, which is that like, you know, we are in this country that has not really reconciled that part of history with the myth of what it means to be an American and what generally comes out of that is like this dissonance and this incredible cultural malaise you know where like we have not reconciled with the past and and I feel like the fact that like the land doesn't cooperate that so much is ruined that the thing goes up in flames at the end part of it was like if you write this in a if you write this in a book in a certain style then you'd just be like okay the land is like is
2: cursed. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's its own
0: character, right? right. Yeah, the land is cursed, and so it's just like taking revenge on everyone. But yeah, I mean, and I think that that on its own kind of makes the land a character a little bit, but makes this co- the history of this country, a, you know, an important player at least for me. And seeing just like pictures of of the family walking around on this land, there were like there was like a a cute like farming montage early in the film, and I was just like, you know, this on its own adds a nuance to it of just like, okay, these folks who are immigrants working the land to do actually like to grow something new. But then you also have the history that is also not result, the history of this entire land of the land that we are in currently. And whether or not that was part of the intention is, I don't know, but it definitely seems like it, or at least for me, anytime someone's going to talk about farming here in the, here in the U.S., i S I'm always going to talk. I'm always going to be thinking about the land. <laughs> right. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, like that's especially in fiction, especially or you know, and especially in work, in in art, when you're talking about the land, you know, in this country, you are either going to lean into this discomfort that we have with the place that we live on and that we've settled on, or you are going to engage in the more mainstream kind of um, forgetfulness. Right. And either way, either way, that will that will impact the art and that will impact the story.
1: Yeah, and. You know, like farming in this country, we have this romance of agriculture in America, which has also like never actually been a functional aspect of the economy. Like we've never, we have not since the colonies, have we ever really figured out how to make that work? But we have this romance of the American farmer, right? Um, Which is, is perhaps the most American profession that you can think of, right? This person who just works physically. To put food literally on the table, you know, and, and so this, it just turns into this sort of snowballing thing of like, immigrants in an immigrant country who are out of place and on stolen land who are also doing this thing that historically does not work and should be respected for it, but are also foolish for even attempting it. And it just, you know, cascades into this uniquely American mess. Um, <laughs> That that could not happen anywhere else in the world. I would I would wager. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I, I yes, that is very well. Put. And again, I think maybe the beauty of the movie, at least for me, and I think for a lot of folks who have seen it, who I've talked to, is this: uh, being unafraid of this nuance, being unafraid of this American mess, as you called it, Mason. <laughs> That's a T-shirt. <laughs> so that is, yeah, uh, you know, being unafraid of these parts that we have not really sorted out, I think, as a country. And I think, you know, like all of these, all of these dissonances, um, unresolved, I think certainly create like a mood for us that th- that we live in, I think, as people living in this country, I think that is, it is impossible to separate ourselves from our from From our history, you know, in in that way, and the movie taps into that in a way that I haven't I haven't really seen uh, a lot of American movies do, quite frankly. Because um, in the midst of all of this, of course, there's also deeply intimate drama, right. as there can be, right. because Earth is large and there's enough room for all sorts of <laughs> things. But it does seem like. The way the movie was written allows for all of that right it allows for of course a political background to kind of just keep going of course we have like little clips of like oh the reagan administration et cetera et cetera right you know we have all this thing of like okay this is happening in america which like the fact that this is happening in america means a shit ton of things right yeah (laughs) right off the bat but in the midst of all this of course you have the interpersonal relationships of these five main folks plus paul
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. it It's a movie that does not exist without nuance. And I think that that's why, maybe that's part of why it's so powerful right now um, Absolutely. in this time where nuance is so lacking in every aspect of our lives because Twitter exists, you know, like <laughs> to have something that is so unapologetically nuanced and which you can't even begin to comprehend if you don't allow for Nuance, You know, there there is nothing but nuance in this film, I would argue. And then also it's this sort of weirdly Grapes of Wrath situation too, right? <laughs> like, it is a very American story kind of told in reverse, leaving California to go find wealth elsewhere, you know, and, and everything
0: that comes with it. Uh, off the record, what would Grapes of Wrath in reverse be? The wine of... <laughs>
2: The wine of joy? Uh, The wine of benevolence?
0: No, like if we're doing it in reverse, what is the the consequence of wrath? Is just violence? The wine of violence. (laughs) Wine already (laughs) does that. I think that's
1: just wine, my friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The grapes grapes of wrath in reverse is just wine. Yeah, I, I really I really love that expression, Mason. That phrase, why, uh, "grapes of wrath" in reverse, is very very good. <laughs> um,
1: I I hadn't really thought about it until I was saying it, but it works on a couple different levels, right? Like, there's there's obviously like the geographic aspect of it. I'm going to explain my own joke here. There's the geographic ex- aspect of it, but then also there's this like, uh, you know, the grapes of wrath is all about the the. The manifestation of Manifest Destiny and, and the westward push in search of uh, greater progress and success. And in doing so, you destroy yourself and your family and you work yourself to death. And and that was this film, but headed in the other direction geographically and in every aspect. And then also, Grapes of Wrath always felt like a very white story to me. It yeah, it, it it is such a white American legend. Um and it works. I haven't read it in over a decade now, fifteen years probably at this point, but it part of why it works is because it dismantles that legend as well. Like, you know, it 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 is a journey of that type that doesn't work. And this movie does the same thing, but it's moving in the opposite direction and it is not white. And that's the point. Um yeah.
2: I had just, like, one th- more thing I'd like to explore is the, um, because it relates to everything we're already talking about. The relationship between our intrepid best friend here and the grandmother, like, their relationship and their meeting and their development of their relationship, I think, is interesting. And in many ways, you could say is the quote-unquote heart of the movie. The grandma and David, right? Yes. soo It's
1: definitely, like, the emotional... Heart of the movie. And that is maybe the most um, classically Oscar-worthy aspect of it is like this grandma comes to live at the house and the boy has to share his bedroom with grandma and he doesn't like grandma and then it turns out that grandma's actually pretty cool and doesn't treat him like a fragile, soft creature and, and treats him like a person and so then they become best friends. And then that is kind of undermined when she has her stroke, right? Right. And her character, by nature, changes completely <sighs> and and is kind of removed in the way that somebody who has that sort of life-altering um, event, you know, that, that sort of thing that actually happens where their dynamic in the home changes, right? And and they, they suddenly fill a different role and they fill a different space and they, they move through it differently. I thought that, like... It's interesting, right? Because they set it up as the emotional heart of the film and then
2: they pull it away from you. They yeah. pull it away from you,
1: which is also why it is so striking. Like I think that if it ended with when they become close, it would have been a whole lot less powerful, right? Cuz that's his first big loss. Yeah. As a human being, as his grandmother.
0: It's also I think in defiance of what we were talking about earlier with the hero's journey and with this other classic exactly. um, narrative The you are right is kind of like generally award, an award winning human moment <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, to uh, two people who have, you know, separated by age. And of course, by culture, because we've got David, the American child who, you know, like, like he's not used to a lot about his grandma, says things about
2: her smell. She smells Korean or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is it the was... most,
1: like, seven-year-old boy line. That... <laughs> yeah. Totally believable.
2: Yeah.
0: And also, like, is, is, like, a little freaked out by her earnestness, I think, at first. Mm-hmm. There's that moment where she, like, bites, um, like, peels a chestnut for him, I think. Yes. Like, bites into it to, like, break off a piece of it for him and then, like, hands it over to him. And he's just like, ooh. You, fuck? Just see you just see him leaning away. Yeah. And then I think, you know, they get closer. Obviously, there's something that he's learning with her, maybe. And then, of course, like she has she has that stroke.
1: It's interesting, too. There's a way to write that story where she becomes. And I I don't think that this is a good way to write the story where she becomes his connection to his heritage, right, where she becomes Korea for him. And I think in taking her away, it removes that possibility, which also makes it. Thank goodness. that much more striking. right? Like how awful and Oscar Beatty would that be. But he remains the American character because it, you know, maybe she grants him some greater understanding of where he came from or, or of of his heritage. But to what extent, you know, he will she's not going to be, life-changing in the way that it feels like it is initially setting her up to be because she can't be she's not you know she's only she's only there and only filling that that space for a very short period of time in this this young boy's life and he's going to grow up um he's going to grow up without her right and without that influence and without really really well-developed memories of this because because of of when everything
0: happens yeah you know, my thought about that is that it's just that home is vast. The idea of home is very vast. You know, the the part actually, the first part where I was tearing up was when Monica gets the anchovy, the anchovies, and starts crying.
2: <laughs> yeah, very relatable. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, and and something about that, like, like I think I started, like, I started crying just again. The performance, amazing. Oh. Just everything about that moment. Yeah. What? But I think I think there was something incredibly powerful about that in that this was a piece, this was some sort of affirmation, this was a piece of home that came to this place that feels far from home. This is a part of uh, Monica's history that is being confirmed by her mother in this moment. You know, this is, and so that was very powerful. But, you know, in continuing with this idea that home is vast, I think for David, my hunch is that um what he's gonna come up with is gonna end up being multiple pieces of different things because of course there's Korea that he's never visited. but of course there's Korea you know like in in, in the culture that they have at home in the way that you know, there are these interactions and and the way that they interact with each other and like in their bodies but there's also California right, right. There's also California where he grew up and now there's this place, Arkansas which, Sensibly he's having some pretty good memories here you know like he's he, he is kind of approaching all of this the way that a lot of seven year olds who are not lacking in love like are experiencing the world yeah. which is with excitement of course he's super adorable the whole time doing it uh, with the cowboy boots and stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, I loved those cowboy boots. They were yeah. that
0: was such a nice touch. It, it was, and it was so funny. I mean, of course, and of course, the incredible, the significance of him wearing cowboy boots around outside, and then taking them off the moment he steps inside, right? Right. Yeah. The you know, which is that's a very that's an incredible like cultural like pivot, right? That like right. you know, you have to take your shoes off to, to come into the house, even if that house is a trailer or you know whatever you know. Right. or even if you're wearing cowboy boots right. right and so those things are those things are a part of home you know and so is the land that all of this is happening on right and so is the land that his parents remember even though he's never been there right and this idea of home is gigantic um, especially for folks in, dia- in the diaspora especially for folks who are first generation immigrants you know the idea of home is Gets, I think, more and more complicated um, as as they grow older and as they kind of like relate to themselves more and understand their place in the world or maybe don't understand their place.
2: In yeah, the world. and I didn't realize it until now. Like we talk about it in an earlier episode this month that our listeners already heard about the idea of like. This like cultural purity thing, where you like don't feel insert culture enough because you're American, but you don't feel the other, and like that lazy age old story about being an immigrant, but is still a real part of growing up, and a lot of parents' fears is that you don't retain enough of the of their heritage to feel legitimate question mark, but. It, it doesn't feel like this story is concerned with addressing that, mostly because they don't have time to. They're trying to survive; right. Um, right. <laughs> that's kind of more important at the moment. Um, and and there is an avoidance of the fact that the grandmother, like Mason has already said, is supposed to be the course correction or reminder of being Korean, right?
0: Well, I think a quick thing I was going to say is that this is a further championing. Of nuance, right? Yes. And of course, you know, like this is that, that age old kind of dilemma that a lot of folks feel about like immigration, which is of course one that I've, that I experienced and I, I grew up in Morocco and I still don't feel Moroccan enough to, to be there. And I don't feel American enough to be there. But I mean, you know, at the, you know, to, to be dramatic, I mean, like, uh, you know, borders are constructs and, uh, and <laughs> like, and nuance in these situations is is incredibly real and I mean like immigrants um, I, I would say like in order and these are very powerful ideas so this is not to say that it's easy just like just say that those things are fake and move on but I mean approaching approaching these things in this way that like ideas of nationality and ideas of belonging are a lot broader in scope than you know even being able to speak the language um, because heck like like at least for me. And I know that I'm not the only person who's felt this way, but like I grew up back home and I spoke all the languages and while living there, while not having known much else, I still felt like, like an outsider. But that was also maybe because there was the prospect that I would leave one day all the time. But you know, like there are as many immigrant stories as there are immigrants. And I
2: think exactly,
0: I think that that is always something that, that we want to remind folks and we are in the first waves of seeing immigrant stories. And so I think there is not as much an understanding of that, like that New Yorker, New York times writer who said that this is not an immigration story. This is an American story. Um, There are as many immigrant stories as there are immigrants. And I think in that sense, it would be easier to understand content coming from immigrants in general or content that has immigrant stories in them that this is as this is as specific and as broad as like any story of like a white guy
2: doing a thing <laughs> and winning an Oscar for that thing. Right? I mean like right. or a white woman this year doing or, a yeah. thing.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. We can have those now too.
2: <laughs> They're yeah. allowed yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know like I mean that's that's it's just the moment there's there's immigration in the story a lot of things you know all of a sudden I think everyone puts blinders on there's like a laser focus on immigration as if immigration is this tiny thing that happens and then like we need to view everything through this lens right. and so um, yeah so that's always that's always you know I think broadening the scope there broadening the an understanding that, that, that the way that people construct their ideas of home is very vast and very complex and very complicated and not just like America is my home which, you know, that means nothing, really, or saying words that, like, someone can, like, this falls apart very quickly. Right. Your relationship, you know, relationship to home is a very complicated thing. Um, right. Yeah.
1: One thing that I thought was really effective in sort of exploring that was the use of language, particularly for David, who uses, I think, the most English on a regular yes. basis, and, mm-hmm. and, and whose on speech crosses in and out of English and and Korean. And I feel like that was really beautifully used to like illustrate those points of like where everybody was and and what their sort of, um, what that aspect of their identity was, you know, like the grandmother who only spoke in Korean, but then made it made attempts and was trying to learn English and trying mostly it seemed as a way to connect with her, her grandson. Um,
0: the Broken penis thing.
2: Best <laughs> best series of pee and penis jokes yet. <laughs> oh, well, I man. think,
0: and that's that's true about um, I think all the characters, especially you know, like even um, Jacob when he taught when he speaks English, and that sort of the, just that sort of like code switching. I think this is this is very well it's very well employed here because I found that to be particular. Like it always it always like tickled my ear a little bit, even when they were having conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the one where maybe Monica and David are talking about like praying. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like, she's telling him this story in Korean. But then I think when she's trying to get him to try praying, like just a few seconds later, she just switches to English and says, Hey, like, do you want to, do you want to try it? Right. You know, like, like in English and, and that carries yeah yeah I, I mean i imagine i'd imagine that carries a good a, a, a great deal of significance and you know those choices are are so idiosyncratic it feels <laughs> that you know uh and I, I think that's also part of like the beauty of the movie is it feels like it's really well done specifically maybe because it doesn't mean something specific every time someone speaks one language right yes yeah because there's also this self exploration, right? Like these folks right. are also trying, in the midst of all of this madness, are trying to figure themselves out in this new space. And I thought that's why it felt so natural. I even read someone, like another New Yorker article, where someone, and this time it wasn't a white person who wrote about Stephen Young's um, uh, incredible accent, English mm-hmm. accent, you know, and how. And also, I think this person's, you know, this person that spoke Korean, also his Korean accent, you know, and that how he was switching between these two, between these two things, to kind of communicate something. So, you know, like those choices were idiosyncratic. It almost feels like this is the kind of thing that would always, that would live in the body of the actors, in the body. Yeah. It like, this seems very much like an embodied, it almost feels like an embodied choice. So that's either incredible writing or incredible performances or both. Both. Which it seems like, mm-hmm. yeah, which it's like it is, it is both. And that, I mean, that moved me a great deal. The way people choose to speak a language in this country is, that's a, it's a whole thing.
2: It's no Sam Studios.
1: Well, actually... Did
2: I stutter?